Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Nicole, and I am really excited about today's topic because it's something that is really near and dear to my heart and has had a big impact on my life and my family. And that is the subject of adoption. And since November is National Adoption Month, I definitely wanted to have an episode talking about my favorite books that deal with this topic or have this as a big part of the plot points. Because because it's such a huge part of my life, I feel like some of my very favorite books have this trope or this subject discussed in them. So I'm going to dive right into talking about them. And the very first one that I'm going to talk about is, it's an older book. It is um, Gingham Mountain by Mary Keneally. This one was one of the first that I absolutely adored. And once I read it, I borrowed it from the library and I immediately, or when I started building my own personal library, this is the first one of her books that I got. I love this one. I have featured also this book on my favorite single fathers in fiction, and that is because of Grant. I loved his character. I think what I loved about this book so much was both the honest questions about adoption and that real heart for orphans. I, as a met, like my family has increased by two via adoption. And one thing that's kind of interesting when you hear people kind of like when they see that the family members look different than you or there is a large age gap, they ask, oh, is that your real sibling? Is that your daughter? Is that, you know, I've had my mom be asked that question and and I mean, I think it's, I understand that people don't really know how to ask sometimes if there is either a half sibling or if there is adoption. But it, I chuckle because, yeah, they're real. What, you know, what do you mean? And it's sometimes a little bit, maybe it's my sixth sense of humor, but it is fun to have them squirm just a little bit when they ask that because there is a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a stigma against children who are adopted. And maybe it's because I'm sensitive to that issue now that my family has had that. But adopt children who, and, and my family always says, these children entered into our home through adoption. They are no longer labeled adopted children. Their children, their family members, their brothers and sisters of that family group. And I really loved how there's no differentiation between adopted children and um, the biological children that came along as a result of marriage later on in the series. So because that's a big, that's a big thing that I it's kind of a pet peeve, I feel, with a lot of families who have gone through adoption is treating them like, I mean, we have had neighbors flat out come out and say, oh, no, I don't mean your youngest son. I mean, your real son. And it's like, really? 
part of me is like a big thing. Oh, that's such a pet peeve of mine because, I mean, hey, the Lord takes us in as adopted children. Aren't you glad that he doesn't say, well, these are my adopted kids, but, you know, they're not real. I don't know. Does that bother anybody else? Maybe it's just me. But I feel like as a Christian, we are so blessed to be adopted into the family of God, which the Bible says that we are, that, and I feel like adoption is such a beautiful picture of that, of that God's love. It's a great reflection of it. And so I don't like to see it being labeled less than, if that makes sense. So anyway, there I went off on a tangent. That's also part of the reason that this to me is such a favorite topic is because I feel like it's really close to the Lord's heart. Um, So that's another reason that I was really excited when Adoption Month was coming along. But I also want to talk about one that I read this year that absolutely adored. And that's Before I Called You Mine by Nicole Deese. This was the second full-length novel that I read from her. And, oh, her writing is spectacular. Her characters are amazing. I refer to her as, and I often refer to different books as like different types of food because I love food too. But it's like, you know how there's like different authors and me as a mood reader, I'll read when I'm in the mood for different things. Um, There are your turkey dinner type authors where you feel full and fed and satisfied and really nourished and more knowledgeable after reading one of their books. And then you have your popcorn authors where Uh, Those are the authors that I pick up when all that I want to do is be entertained and have a good time and scarf it down. And then I have my like dessert authors or as I refer to Nicole Deese as my hot chocolate sauce authors. It's so the writing is so rich and it feels kind of indulgent, but there is a lot of meat there. So maybe hot chocolate sauce isn't, I mean, it's like manna, maybe. I don't know. It's just that perfect blend of the writing that pulls you in. You're totally caught up in the story. Characters that really are so memorable that you think about them long after the pages. Oh, but I don't know. There's something that I cannot put my finger on when I read her books. Every one of them that I have read, I have enjoyed. And Before I Called You Mine is definitely one of those. Um, and this ta- this book, which I do not see a lot in Christian fiction, and I'm so glad, is because it deals with international adoption. And it's international adoption 
from the perspective of a single woman going to China to adopt a child. So this is also incredibly close to my heart because when my family decided to start our adoption journey, we were intending to go to China. We, we often joke, we switched over to domestic after um, I think almost a year into the process because the do- that door really closed to our family and we pretty much knew that we would not be able to make it and um, it was really heartbreaking to let that part go but we and switched to domestic and that is how my youngest brother and youngest sister came into our lives and we always kind of joke and tease my brother because we say oh you're our little Chinese girl because yeah anyway it's family joke but I really loved seeing that whole um, adoption process because I mean I was so familiar with that language we were so it felt like we were so close and we were so involved in the process all the words like the dossiers and the gotcha days and the red couch pictures and the the interviews and that first meeting and oh my goodness like so the pictures that they got that you get sent when you get matched and it brought back so many memories of our journey that almost was and I loved how Nicole Dees handled the the issues with international adoption and going to a different culture with China I mean I don't want to give much too much away, but I really loved how she played out the story, how there's that tug and pull if it falls through that heartbreak that is that does feel almost like you're losing someone. Oh, there was just so it was an across the motions board thing, but not overly heavy, if that makes sense. I feel like this is going to turn into a ramble episode because It's hard to put into words how much you love a book when you keep on saying you love it, you love it, you love it. And you're trying to find new words to say how much you love it. And this was that kind of story. And not only that, but because it is a romance too, you have that flip angle where um, she is, it's almost a forbidden love trope a little bit because for single women to go in adoption, they have to state that they will not enter into um, serious relationship. I think it's like for two years, I believe her thing, um, the contract kind of was. Like you are entering into a contract with a foreign country in order to adopt one of their children. Like there are some serious rules. And, and then walks in this hero that has been one of my favorite heroes of 2020, and that's Joshua Avery. Just a funny, um, incredibly sweet and kind heart. And and really, you're then caught with this tug and pull. It's almost like a triangle between the dreams that she thinks she could have, the main character, and the dreams of what could be, what can be. There's so many different tug and pull emotions in this book that 
but it was so well executed. You're, you never feel like stuff is just popped in there for drama's sake. Everything feels like it unfolds, unfolds at exactly the right pace for how these characters need to grow. And you don't really know exactly how things are going to work out that's really okay because it's such a great story that you are just along for the ride and the awesome writing and I cannot say enough good things about this book like really the only thing that I I don't know there's nothing that this book is really missing it's just feels great and I enjoyed it so much, hey, I could go for a sequel. But um, that's always me because a book that you love always feels too short, right? So that is definitely one that I recommend if you're looking into books with that trope or subject matter. Um, another one that I really enjoyed, and this isn't, it's not so much about, well, it is about adoption, and I'm going to include it anyway, because um, it re- just reminds me of so many of the issues sometimes you're dealing with, like like family members are adopting or foster adopt, which is what my family did. And that was The Dating Charade by Melissa Ferguson. This one was not only a roll on the floor laughing, funny story, but it dealt with those serious um, issues and topics and and talks about children who are entering into the foster care system or or are or come from these different backgrounds. It gave a great perspective on where these kids have come from in their history and how that picture you know, plays out. It's all done under the disguise of a rom-com, but I seriously loved the insight into the fostering slash adoption and caring for children in crisis in this book. And that is why I, I actually, it's one of the books that I read and got as a review copy from NetGalley, but I went out and I bought my own copy because it's that good and I needed it on my shelf. So that's the endorsement that I can give it. Um, Another one that dealt a little bit with um, international adoption, and maybe because this was was actually a subplot point in one of Susan May Warren's books, and that was in The Wonder of You, one of her Chrysanthemum series. And so this dealt with a... um, it was a, it was a real i found it to be a really interesting subplot point and it became one of my it became my favorite storyline in the book even though it was secondary and that's because it dealt with a previous couple in the series uh wonder of you i believe is the fourth book in the series and it deals with the couple in a, one of the previous books and it deals with a child who was adopted from Russia, she's orphaned all of a sudden in the small town of Deep Haven and taken into the family home 
and there's the adoption there's the option of adoption presented to this one couple and it's really i found it really interesting the the couple's struggles that they're going through from the other book i don't want to say the couple's name because i'll give a give away spoilers but the issues that that couple is going through they were one of my favorite couples in the whole series and I just really liked, I always loved the after I do storyline. And I really loved how, you know, after they got married and stuff like that, some of those deep seated issues didn't automatically go away. And you got to see them still wrestle, sometimes still struggle with things that they couldn't change. And, and why that was possibly a barrier to helping this child and there was just a heart melting moment in that that it was one of my absolute favorite parts of the book because oh it was just so good it totally pulled on my heartstrings because you know you think okay what would happen to a child who is orphaned but also doesn't really speak a language. I mean, like that, that would be a huge, it's a big deal, I believe, for a child from an international adoption to then have to maybe face the, the foster system. I mean, that would be, I mean, they've already gone through so much. I don't know. That was one of my favorites. And again, it's a subplot, but I really enjoyed that one. Um, Okay, and now I'm going to switch to the flip side on historical. And I'm gonna, I really want to talk about Shelter of the Most High by Connellyn Cassette. I know. I try not to have all of my podcasts mentioning Connellyn Cassette, but I can't help it because her books are amazing. And her. Shelter of the Most High, I really enjoyed this story because you got to see a character from A Light on the Hill, the first book. You got to see him and how he he was, in a sense, adopted into this family in a shelter um, in a city of refuge. And then you got to see him as he's grown in his adoptive home. What are the feelings of children that are adopted and grow up? Because sometimes it's like a lot of the adoption stories are of the parents who adopt. But what about the perspective of the child who has been adopted and reaches adulthood? What are their feelings? Kind of what's their outlook on life? and the family dynamic. And I mean, there's so much that happened in the first book that kind of comes out to play in the second book, so they should be read in order, and I'm trying not to give spoilers, but I really loved the message in Shelter of the Most High, especially the interaction between Eaton, which is the character that I'm talking about that was adopted, and um, Derek, and some of those discussions that they never had between each other and the kind of the weight or the burden of the unasked questions or the un things that they didn't 
that he didn't feel were clear. So I really loved how Connie Lynn Cassette did that story. Um, I love so many of her books. It's crazy, but how she tackled the adult questions from the adoptive angle, winner, winner, in my opinion. So um, there was that one. You know, another one that was really interesting in, um, now that I'm thinking of adult who have, who, adults who have been adopted, one that really comes to mind is Becky Wade's True to You. This one won a Christie Award, I believe. And this one had, um, it's kind of, the, it's a romance, yes, but it has this really powerful um, storyline about a uh, a man who was adopted and his questions about his lineage and, and finding his birth parents. And man, it was a really powerful story about, um, you know, how much of your parents really is your identity. And I feel like it asks some really great questions. It dealt with some hard topics, but Again, it was such a well-done story that I really commend the author for telling a story like she did in the way that she did. So this next part of the podcast, I would like to talk to just briefly about some nonfiction books that deal with this topic. Um, I am mostly a fiction reader, but every once in a while I do love a nonfiction that really um, challenges me, and these are a few that did that. Um, For our adoption story, we actually, well, my mom and dad had to, but I read some of the books too, because there was required reading for some of their adoption classes, and one of the books is incredibly... um, memorable. And I'm kicking myself because I do not remember the author's name, but I will have to link that in later. But um, it was Building the Bonds of Adoption. No, Building the Bonds of Attachment. And this book really brought to light the, the tragedy, the heartbreak, and the issue of um, attachment disorder which is extremely, an extremely prevalent issue in many of these children's lives and how it can affect healthy relationships. So the, it fall, I say it's nonfiction because it is based on true accounts. And in some parts, it feels kind of like reading um, notes from a psychiatrist, but it's presented in a way like snippets and bits and pieces, like it's anecdotal little, almost like you're following a blog story. And it's done in such a way that's really, uh, it really pulls you in and it made it so real. And I believe the author is, uh, 
um, a psychologist dealing with children with these issues. And she took some of the case issues, you know, changed the name. She has a fictional character named Katie and you see her and it has like these little anecdotal little things of at a certain age, this was done to her at a certain age this happened to her and it has her dealing with abuse and neglect from a very very young age and it is I think a lot of people would be surprised so many people think oh they're only six months old they won't remember anything but the reality is is children oftentimes that first year is so important to having to building that trust to have that child secure, knowing that their needs are going to be met, that oftentimes if that is not, if that child is not cared for in that first year, that can create huge psychological problems later on and it can, and it can build. Um, listen to me while I go off on some of my child development course material, but I really loved how this book showed it it got you into the mindset of these children that have dealt with some horrible situations that have dealt with the neglect that feeling that their needs are not going to be met so how do I then survive and you got to see this character I believe it was until she was about four and that's when she entered into foster care system this fictional story and you see kind of what led up to this and then you understood why she did the things she did it also showed how sometimes children will go into like this honeymoon phase where they will be very well behaved for a while but they cannot always hold in those once they feel comfortable once they feel secure that's when they are going to that's when some of the behaviors will manifest and it's it's a fascinating look into that mindset and also the work and the incredible heart behind the people who do this and are determined to love and care for and bring the child the help they need. And I mean, man, it's a real issue because my family is dealing, you know, my family has dealt and is sometimes still dealing with the, the effects of neglect and what that does to a child's psyche and you know I feel like sometimes adoption is romanticized that oh well once you adopt and love and care for and enfold into the family you know all the issues go away I mean maybe there are some issues that or maybe there are some cases where that is the issue but you know it's not the case for everybody, and there are sometimes real issues. It's not just until the adoption papers are signed. This is a, these are sometimes issues that will last the whole life. And, you know, it's really that, it's really that exercise in loving like the Lord loves, which is, I think, why I think it's so important. But anyway, I do have other books to talk about with that one. But that is definitely one that I recommend for people who are interested in understanding the psychology behind some of these childhood and even adult behavioral issues after that kind of lifestyle um, or that kind of trauma. 
Um, another book that I read ooh, last year, this is another one that I received as a NetGalley copy and I went out and bought it because I'm supporting it. And this one is called Until Every Child is Home by Chapman. And he wrote this really interesting book that's kind of a call to action for Christians to become involved in the foster care, the adoption, the wrapper care, like become involved in helping homeless or orphan children. Like I really believe, you know, the Lord, the Bible says to care for widows and orphans and orphans can take on different types. And I think it's so important to keep their plight visible. It's not comfortable, but I think, I think we need to be reminded that there are kids without homes that they will grow up and have to move out on their own without a family backing them. You know, not everything will be daisies and roses, but, but life isn't really. But I, I really love how that author really call, I feel like he call, he's calling us out as Christians to be serious about getting involved in some way in helping children. And I feel like that one is a really great resource to raise awareness and to get people thinking about it or in what way that they can help. Even if it's a support team for people who have made the decisions to be foster or adoptive parents. You know, there's there's more than one way that you can help families on their adoptive journeys. Yes, I feel like I'm on my soapbox for this episode. <laughs> but um, another nonfiction. This will be the last nonfiction that I bring up in this episode. But that is another one that completely surprised me this year. And I thought it was something totally different kind of before I read it. But once I read it, I thought it was a really good story um, because it's true. And that is Get Money, Do Good. And I forgot the author's name. But this one was so interesting because this is a, it's a true story about a couple who have uh, their oldest son was on the is on the autistic spectrum and then they have a younger sibling and then or a younger daughter and I think the son was like the oldest was like eight and they start their road to international adoption they went through international adoption several times and oh I think how many you think I think he adopted eight or they had eight kids, or they adopted six. Oh my god! No, I think it was eight. Man, I really should write these things down before I record an episode. Anyway, an incredible story. Um, it was really interesting too, the perspective on this one, because you have chapters written by the wife and mother, and then you have chapters written by the father, and they actually, and it's them go. I believe the book started like. Uh, early 2000s. So you see the father actually, um, his business 
um, collapsed in the fall of 08 and how they kept their family going while keeping their dossiers going for international adoption while they were jumping. Into, I mean, they lived in Qatar for a while. Oh my goodness. I loved reading about that. I mean, this is an incredibly adventurous family, but I loved the message behind Get Money, Do Good because they were like, it's such a great heart that it's like, yes, they were really, you know, the husband was really driven in the business and they really worked out as a really good team that it's like, they were gifted with the ability to do all these entrepreneurial things. And they used that, they said, well, we're going to use our resources to help as many kids and adopt as many kids as we can, because that's what the Lord's calling us to do. And I just really commend this family for going out and stepping out and really, oh, the red tape that they had to deal with. And even sometimes the, and I'm going to say it, the the talking down on even from inside the own church, like, let's face it, life is messy, but I feel like there is this stigma that your life needs to be in absolute perfect, picture perfect, Pinterest worthy, every corner of your house in order to do anything good. And that's not the case. I really don't believe that everything has to be immaculate in order to be hospitable. I mean, I feel, and I love the message that it's like, hey, even when life is messy, you can do good. You can bring in more. Even if it looks like, it may look like chaos to some families, this is your normal everyday life. And I so admire the mother of this family, how she is a fighter for her kids. She dealt with the, and she was told, well, you know, your son has autism. Why are you going and adopting more children? And she's not, she didn't adopt like, I mean, and then the children that they, she came from, I believe one of the boys was like 10 when he was adopted from China. So, and they didn't speak he didn't speak, I don't think, a word of English. I mean, just incredible stories. Really incredible. She, and it, I think then there was like, she, they adopted a se- sibling set of four at one time. And it was just like, there's so many things in this book. Like, this review sounds really disjointed because there's so much to it. But when it really boils down to it, it's like, you know what? We are meant to use whatever we have in our life and whatever blessings we're given, we are meant to bless others. And if that's sometimes messier than what's the status quo normal or what others claim, oh, well, you should have, you know, everything tied up in a pretty bow before you can do anything good. Really? I don't think so. Because you know what? If we wait for life to be perfect to do anything worthwhile, when is that going to ever happen? Oh my goodness, this is totally my soapbox episode. Okay, so. Okay, so I looked it up because I needed to have all the right info. So 
The book, Building the Bonds of Attachment, it's Awakening Love in a Deeply Troubled Children, is by Daniel A. Hughes. Um, that was that one. And then Get Money, Do Good was, is by J.D. Vermas, V-E-R-M-A-A-S. So I just wanted to clarify that the spelling and the authors and stuff that sometimes I forget. So anyway, after my soapbox episode, I am really looking for, because this is one subject that I am really passionate about, I would love to hear your favorite adoption stories or all that stuff that deals with that. I am, I was just made aware that Freedom's Kiss by... Sarah Monson is about, I believe it was an adult adoptee. So very curious about that one. Definitely bumping that one up the list as of now. Um, I loved Jody Headland's Orphan Train series, especially those last two books dealt more with the children's plight than before. I mean, it's just one of my favorite topics. I always try and read books that I find on this subject and I am always looking for more book recommendations. So I would love to hear your recommendations or what you thought of this episode. You can always shoot me a message at Nicole and Unending TBR at either Facebook or Instagram and I will talk to you next week. Bye!